check, 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 check. There we go. Well, good morning, everybody. Come on in. It's time for uh, church. Sorry, we had a little uh, feedback there, but it's one big family Sunday. So everybody grab your kids and, and get them in your seats with you. We're going to kick off in just a second. One big family Sunday, what that means is our kids are in with us for the entire worship service. So uh, we're glad to have them. Being a multi-faith church, we love our kids to be with the whole service. So come on in and grab your seat for everybody to gather your youngsters up and uh, uh, we'll get rolling in just a second. Have you today? I got I got Uriah. What we what we like to do? Yeah, there we go. What we like to do on one big family Sunday is we like to get some of the young people involved in the service. So I wanted to kick off today with a psalm, Psalm 147. So if you do the uh, psalm a day through the year, you'll know that the second time through the psalm ended on Thursday at 150. So Monday, I was reading, and it was Psalm 147. I thought, you know, I'd love to take off service Psalm 147. And it's actually kind of, see, it's not a short one, but Uriah is going to read it for us this morning. So come on over here. All right, let, let's all listen to this today. Psalm 147 says, Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. For it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to go to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. I have to get my glasses out. Oh, the lyre. Lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain from, for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens. That cry his delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in, steadfa in steadfast love. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of the wheat. He sends out his...
birthday and no one says happy birthday. Your husband doesn't say happy birthday. You don't get any gifts. You're ignored, which is okay. It's not about gifts, but you know what I'm saying. Like you just, no one expressed that they're thankful for you. And then the next day you talk to someone say, you hurt me. You know, it was my birthday. You didn't say anything. And they said, well, I thought about you all day. I was thinking about you the whole day on your birthday, but they didn't show it. And so when we just think about the Lord, but we're not showing him that we love him, we're not expressing that we love him, that we're not saying, Lord, I love you out loud. We're not raising our hands to him. We're not bowing down. We're not showing him in our lifestyle that we love him. That's what expression is. So you might think about him all day, but are you showing him? Do you show him daily that you're willing to lay down your life for him and just say, Lord, I love you. I don't care who sees it. I love you, Father, because you are good, because you called my name. And that's what it is all about. So let's just, we're going to sing that again and just show them that you love them. Who cares what the person beside you is thinking? Because we could think about them all day, but we need to put our actions into motion. Don't you get shy on me, lift up your song Cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs And get up and praise the Lord So come on my soul oh, Don't you get shy on me, lift up your song Don't you get 
My sin was heavy, but chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter, I was an orphan. Now you call me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were my healing. Now your love is the air that I breathe in. I have a future, my eyes are open. Cause when you call my name, I'll keep talking to you. I'll keep asking. Well, good morning. It's good to have you today. I got some feedback still, Tom. Can we get that fixed, please? Check one. There we go. That's a little better. All right, thank you, Tom. Hey, it's good to have you this morning. As you can tell, as you can tell if you came in a little late, today is one big family Sunday. And what that means is every fifth Sunday of the year, 
uh, our kids are with us for the entire service. So, so hi, kids. Is everybody doing good today? Okay. All right. Well, it's good to have you with us. Um, so you know what that means? Here's what it means. It means that service may be a little bit louder, a little bit more messy, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe a distraction or two, but that's okay. We like our kids to be with us uh, for service sometimes, and, and uh, being a multi-generational church, we like the little ones all the way up to those who aren't so little anymore. So anyways, we like to have everybody together for service on these fifth Sundays through the year. So, and what they do is, if, if you were here from the start, they help me with the service a little bit. So. Uh, somebody will help me read the verses for the message today. But having said that, we have one of our young people that's going to come up and take up tithe and offering this morning. So this is Lila. Come on up. Everybody say hi, Lila. You can, you can come up here. It's okay. All right. So Lila, you got something to say about offering? You're just going to pray. What are you going to do? I just want to say, uh, you... unmute that. Turn this mic on, please. Uh, just more of glorifying God as we go along with our worship. Amen. So let's pray. Um, dear Lord, I thank you for this day, God. Um, I thank you for the many blessings you've given us, Lord. And I pray that we all are happy to give you a little piece of that back, God. And I pray that you bless this tithe and just put it to good use, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lila. If you have something to give, you can bring it down this morning. Now, the, the uh, kids and the youth had an event on Friday, and the youth stayed at a lock-in overnight, so I see a lot of sleepy eyes. And how, how many adults stayed for the lock-in all night long? Let me see. Who was here? Uh, we appreciate your, uh, your heart in doing that. Um, I'm sure you're a little tired today. You're good. Uh, if she, he starts falling asleep, you know, just one shot will wake him up. Folks, uh, announcements real quick. Uh, Joy Fellowship today, they're going to cancel it and uh, reschedule again next month. Some things are going on. So uh, if you have questions, you can see Patsy about that. But no Joy Fellowship today. Also, for those of you that were heading out to the Midwest uh, shooting range outing, Tom's back there at the soundboard. Um, if you have questions about that, see him, but the payment is due today, so please uh, see Tom about that. Um, other announcements, uh, don't forget Monday night prayer every Monday from 6 to 7 right here at the church, and we believe in prayer. And um, how, many know, how many know that prayer and the scriptures need to be the foundation of the Christian life? How many know that? And prayer, well, every time you pray, you know it's an act of faith. You pray because you believe. Okay, you pray because you believe there's a God out there who not only hears your prayer, he's attended to your prayer, responds to your prayer. So anyways, Monday's from 6 to 7, every Monday, uh, right here at the church. So be here for that. Oh, let's see. Uh, just a couple of kids and youth highlights, and we'll get into the message today. Um, kids Church, uh, if you've got a kid down there uh, in the month of... Uh, November, they're doing stories on David. That's sort of the topic, King David, and some of the stories in the Bible about him. So that's what's happening in Kids Church in the month of November. And then for the youth, the 5th to 12th grade, they hang out every 2nd and 4th Wednesday. They're, they're in the middle of Romans chapter 12, talking about some of the giftings that God uh, gives people and, and the functions of those giftings in people's lives. So that's what the youth are talking about. So 
give you some heads up on that. And by the way, uh, if, if you're not a part of one of our small groups, we have a handful of small groups uh, that happen throughout the month. We can give you more information about that. And I saw a couple of people signed up for uh, more information about that. I'll catch up with you hopefully today about that. But having said that, get your Bibles out if you have one. Uh, they're passing out bags for the littlest kids that may need something to help them make it through the message today. So that's what Kelly's doing right now. Get your Bibles out to Mark chapter number 2. And we're going to spend a little bit of time in that passage today. We're in a series entitled Encounters with Jesus. Okay? And how many of you have ever had a moment, an encounter with Jesus that marked your life? Anybody? That you can think back and you know that you had a moment with him and something was absolutely changed about you. I believe in that. I believe it happened. I don't believe that God is a distant God. I don't believe that God created things and kind of left it to fate to, to uh, figure itself out and hopefully to make it. But, but not only did God create us in a way to be in relationship with us, but when we fell in sin, he comes close to us in order to save us. Amen. But even after salvation, he doesn't leave you be. He doesn't just, you know, do the whole thing of forgiving your sins and just kind of let, let you go and, and kind of give you a thumbs up and say, I hope you make it. I, I, hope, I hope you uh, survive this whole thing in this world. But, but that he is very personal and very close to us if you are paying attention to him. And in that, we can have encounters with him. So we've been looking in the Gospels at some of the different moments of uh, encounters with Jesus that people had and some of the things that had happened because of it. So today in Mark chapter number two, we're going to highlight uh, one of the stories that, 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 that I love in the Bible. So who's, where's Gavin at? Gavin Brown. Gavin Brown is going to come read this for us this morning. Everybody say hi, Gavin. We're going to get Tom to, you can put it right there. Yep, you're good. Taking over my pulpit. That's all right. You can have it. You ready? Yep. And when he returned to Copernicum after some days, it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. He was preaching the word to them, and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men, and when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts. Why does this man speak like that? He is... Mm. Blaspheming. Blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they, question, they thus question within themselves, Jesus... Jesus... He said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say 
to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or rise up and take your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, and said to the paralytic, I say, rise up, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified, God saying, we never saw anything like this. Amen. Thank you, Gavin. Good job. All right. So, yeah. So, story, story in the gospel is actually an amazing story. There's a man that the Bible describes as being paralytic. He can't walk. And Jesus is in a house, and so many people had come to listen to him that the place was packed out so much you couldn't even get in the house anymore. Chances are they're standing around outside the house listening in the windows. But Jesus packed the place out because people started to notice something about him that they were drawn to him. And he's in this house, and he's teaching. And what is he teaching? It doesn't say, but probably about the kingdom of God, about repentance, maybe even snippets of what we find in the Sermon on the Mount. But Jesus is teaching, and we find an amazing story that things are happening, the reputation of Jesus is growing in such a way that there's a paralytic man that apparently wanted to get a personal encounter with Jesus. So he's got some friends, four friends, good friends, that they, they pick this guy up, and they carry him to where they hear that Jesus is. They find Jesus in the house, but they find the house packed out. And there's no way to get the man into the house to Jesus. As good friends that they are, they start thinking, how are we going to get this done? They didn't give up. They didn't quit. You know, the life of the Christian faith is a life of perseverance. You know that. It teaches us that we never give up. That we continually, as the Bible says, ask, seek, we knock. But what happens is, when you have the perseverance of a person who, who never gives up in asking, never gives up in seeking, never gives up in knocking, the Bible says, ask, and it'll be given, seek, and you will find knock, and the door will be open. Amen. So they come up with a plan. They climb up onto this house. Now, now back, back in that time, you're, you're talking a house would have been a single story, kind of a, a, a maybe a square, rectangle in shape, single story. Um, it would have had wood beams at the top, uh, some thatching up there, maybe some compacted earth or dirt up there to hold it together. Sometimes there's some sort of shingling in there to, to above or below the, the compacted dirt. These guys take their friend up on the roof. They dig a hole in the roof. I'm not sure who owns this house, but they dug a hole in the roof. And they lowered Jesus, or the, the paralytic man down to Jesus. And Jesus has an initial reaction. So why did they bring their friend to Jesus? Why did they do that? There was something, amen, there was something about the reputation of Jesus at that time that they felt that maybe this man, prophet, whatever he is, will touch our friend and heal his physical body. That this paralytic man would be healed of being paralyzed. 
But notice in the story, Jesus doesn't even go there. Jesus kind of jumps over that and says, okay, friend, your sins are forgiven. That wasn't why they brought him there, but Jesus always gets to the root of the biggest problem. Amen. The biggest problem of your life is not the issues of your life, the circumstances, your trials, your situation, your lack. That's not the biggest problem of your life. The biggest problem of your life is sin. Now, now here's what I know. You could have all of your needs met. You could start a business and end up being a multimillionaire. I hope it happens. You could have a physical ailment and in some sort of a treatment that be relieved from your life and be completely physically well. Amen. You could have what you consider the best friends or, or to get married and have the best marriage. You can have all of those things, but if your sins are not forgiven, the biggest problem of your life, the need is still not met. So though Jesus pays attention to our needs, okay, we shouldn't be after him just for our needs. Though he pays attention to him, that's not the goal here. The goal is a relationship with him through the forgiveness of your sins. So Jesus, I mean, he's paralyzed. They, they let him down through the roof, and he's right before him. He sees his condition, jumps over the fact that he's paralyzed, and just says, your sins are forgiven. Now, what happens, you know, in the story, the religious leaders get upset. They get mad about it. Because scripturally, the, the scriptures have taught them that the only one who absolutely can forgive sins is God alone. So in this, Jesus is sort of making a statement about himself. It's sort of a, a self-revelation. He says, your sins are forgiven. In other words, he's claiming equality with God, which was a big deal. And they start crying blasphemy. Now, blasphemy is taking the Lord's name and use it incorrectly or, or, or in a, maybe in a way equating yourself with God. Blasphemy. And, and to the religious leaders, blasphemy is worthy of death. You can't claim to be equal with God. That does not fly. And sort of when these things happen, these sort of lay the groundwork for the consistent issues that Jesus had with the religious leaders all the way up to his crucifixion. Okay? These things set that stuff in motion. So they're crying blasphemy. You're not God and you, you can't even speak for him. Who do you think you are? Sort of what's happening here. So Jesus, knowing their thoughts, the, the, the uh, gift of knowledge is working. He's Jesus. He knows, right? He sees what's in their hearts. He sees what's in their minds. So, okay, so you understand that I have the authority to forgive his sins. Then he literally heals his physical body. The man, paralytic man, stands up and he is healed and made whole. Amen. An incredible miracle. Verifying who he is. Amazing story. What we're finding here is an encounter with Jesus, with a man who needed his body healed. But Jesus goes much deeper, digs at the biggest problem, the forgiveness of his sins. But then also, 
then turns around and does meet his need because that is the God that we serve. He not only wants to take care of the biggest need of your life, but he pays attention when you cast your cares upon him. Do you believe that? You know, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, and Paul makes a statement here. It's an, a statement of encouragement. He says, do not be anxious. That, think about that. In our world today, not only what's going on around us, but maybe very specifically to the situations of your life, we are encouraged, do not be anxious. You go, how in the world can I live in this world and not have worry and not have stress and, and to not be anxious? You know why? Because the Bible says we can cast our care upon him because he cares for us. As a matter of fact, when Paul writes that in Philippians chapter 4, he follows up and he tells us how you can do that. He says, with prayer, with petition, and you do it with thanksgiving in your heart, you present your request to God. And what the Bible says, I'll give, I'll give Linda a second here. I'm waiting. All right, okay, so. <laughs> what the Bible says, and Paul writes this, that you don't have to be anxious because with prayer and petition, in other words, you cast your cares upon him, then he will give you a peace that passes all understanding. In other words, you trade your anxiousness, you trade your worry, you trade your stress, and he gives you peace. And in the way Paul puts it, a peace that passes all understanding. In other words, in the middle of your situation, you still have peace anyways. It doesn't make sense that you have peace, but you have peace because he gives you a peace that passes all understanding. It begins to guard your heart and your mind in him. So we have a God that we can cast our cares upon to the littlest stuff all the way up to a big need like this man who was paralytic and needed a, a bodily touch. That's the God we serve. But he's after the forgiveness of your sins first. Then let's deal with this other stuff, which he does do. But I want to talk about the friends for a minute. Here's the first thing I want you to know, okay? Is that friends that help you encounter Jesus are the best kind of friends. Friends that help you encounter Jesus are the best kind of friends. Now, I don't know what your situation is in your life. I think some of you may have had some friends that you've been hurting some relationships or, or maybe you have some friendships and uh, they don't exactly spur you on to Jesus. Let me tell you this. The best kind of friends you can have are the friends that spur you on to Jesus. Those are the best kind. Amen. You need relationships in your life that help you get to an encounter with Jesus. You need that. You know, friends that will pray for you. A friend that will encourage you. At times, a friend that will be honest with you. Sometimes that's good. 
a friend that will point you to Jesus. And of course, in the context of our story, if necessary, dig a hole in the roof so you can meet him. You know what I mean? So, somebody that will look out for you in that kind of way. See, the, the Bible says in that story is that Jesus, notice, notice the word in here, Jesus saw their faith. You see that? Jesus saw their faith. He, for whatever reason, this, this, this paralytic man was drawn to Jesus. Obviously, he wanted Jesus to heal him. He had belief, he had faith that Jesus would do so. But you know, it wasn't just his faith. It was also the faith of his friends, that you have friends that have faith in Jesus enough that they will help you do what's necessary to, to have an encounter with him. Those are the best kind of friends. I'm not, I'm not saying that you can't have relationships with people that aren't Christian, though the Bible warns us. Don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Why? What does that yoke mean? That is the yoke of influence. So, so I'll tell you a story. So when I, got, when I gave my life to Jesus, I was, I was 17, but by then, you know, we already had been partying a lot, drinking and these kind of different things. There were things in my life that had to change. And what happened was, because of influence in my life, I had to guard the influence of things that were influencing me away from a life with Jesus. So when the conviction hits my heart, stop doing this or don't be a part of this or this isn't a good idea for you or, you know what, this actually may be permissible but for me personally, it's not beneficial, you know what I'm saying? I had to start guarding my life because I, I, I could be friends with people but the influence is the danger. The best kind of friends because we believe that eternity is at stake. The best kind of friends help spur you on to Jesus. And these are the relationships we have to find ourselves in. Does that mean that I have no relationships with non-believers? Absolutely not. I, I do. Absolutely I do. But influence is the line drawn. I, I'm not going to be in a relationship with people that draw me into an influence of a life that is not Christ-like. Amen. But with that, did I do have friends? I have a friend named Mark. He, he, lives, in, he lives in Georgia. He's a professor at uh, a, a university in Georgia. Brilliant man. Um, he actually just uh, took on a pastorship of a church down there. It's incredible. I'm happy for him. He's a friend. We, we connect. He's in Georgia, but we Zoom. You, you know what Zoom is on your computer? We, we Zoom consistently. We talk on the phone. It's an encouraging relationship. Our friend named Paul, another encouraging relationship. I have friends of people that can be honest with me, that if I ask them to, will pray for me, that if I need them to, they'll show up on, on the dime, you know, right in the moment. These are the best kind of friendships. And by the way, it's not about a friendship of always being a taker. Don't be a taker. A friendship, with, it's, it's, it's a building up of one another. Now, by the way, people and friendships can't replace Jesus. 
Your friend can't save you. Your friend does not have the ultimate wisdom of God. They, they, they can't do the things that Jesus does. They're a friend as far as a, a human can be a friend. But we learn to spur one another on. Friendship, again, it's not just a one-way street. You know, friendships that don't cause you to be dependent upon them. In other words, that, that term's manipulative a lot. Friendships where we're seeking the mutual uplifting of one another and also having fun together. You, you know what? Believe it or not, I hang out with my friends sometimes. It does not turn into a Bible study. Sometimes I get together with my friends. We watch football. That's okay. My friend Paul, we go fishing. That's okay. It doesn't always turn into a spiritual thing, but at times it does. You see what I mean? Friendships that, that, that just are helping one another. So I had a friend recently uh, that was literally going through a tough time. So the best I could do was pray, check in, and encourage. That was the limitations of what I can do. But you know what? The God that he serves is not limited like me. You see what I mean? That we look out for one another and help each other spur on to the one that is limitless. That's what a good friend does. Okay? Now, but also with that, well, let me just say this before I say that. Question yourself, are you that kind of friend? You think about it. Are you that kind of friend? So in other words, you think about who are the friends in my life? Okay, you, you, you can, it doesn't mean you've got to have a list this long, but I'm talking friends. Who, who's your friend? Do you pray for them? Do you at times, be, be, because it's on your heart, encourage them with a verse maybe? Maybe, maybe they don't know Jesus, but are you a a light to them. Do you, do you share your faith? Do you, do you have the reason for the hope that you have? What kind of friend are you? Hopefully, at the end of the day, you're the kind of friend that you're helping carry your paralytic buddy, and all of a sudden, the, the, the place is packed out, and there's no room, and you don't go, sorry, it's not going to work. Let's go get some McDonald's. <laughs> Hopefully that's not what you do. Hopefully you're the kind of friend that will persevere for your friend. Those guys ended up somehow getting him up on the roof, digging a hole in the roof. Hopefully one of them was in construction so they could fix it later. Dig a hole in the roof big enough for a whole body to get. It wasn't a hole, man. They dug a hole that was big enough to lower a whole human being down through it. Think, that's a big hole. Then, 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 they got to rejoice with their friend who ran home. Think about that. They got to celebrate life. Friendship's about celebrating life, too. They got to celebrate life 
when he was touched by Jesus. Amen. Those are the best kind of friendships, I think. Hebrews chapter number 10 and verse 24. Talking about the gathering of believers a little bit, but just want to focus on the first part of it. Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good deeds. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. In other words, the day of the Lord's return. So in other words, that you live a life purposely in relationships to others, that you actually consider, you think about it. How can I spur them on to love and good deeds? How can I do that? How can I be an encourager? Amen. So think about it. You, you know your relationships. You, you know your friends. How can you help them? That's scriptural. That, that's what it means to, to, the Bible talks in other places, that things like bearing one another's burdens. You, you won't ever bear somebody's burden unless you're considering how you can be an encouragement in their life. You won't, you won't bear people's burdens. By the way, let me tell you this. One of the best things you can do when you yourself are struggling is help somebody else because you ultimately encourage yourself. So, so if, if I had a friend that, that was struggling and I consider how I can spur them on to love and good deeds, how can I encourage them, and I think of ways to do it, and I begin to encourage them, you know what you can do? Then apply it to yourself. Apply it to yourself. Encourage yourself, too, in your encouragement of other people. Amen. All right, here's the second thing I want you to know. Kind of switching gears a little bit. An encounter with Jesus, as this paralytic man found out, can change everything about you. There is nothing that's impossible. Do you believe in, do you believe in that? An encounter with Jesus can change anything about you. There is nothing impossible to God. We believe that. Jesus forgave the man's sin. You see that? Now, okay, time out question. Now, I'm not sure, maybe there's some dialogue that, that's not in the, uh, the scriptures here. But it doesn't say that Jesus began to question him. He didn't go, hey, uh, I'd like to forgive you of your sins, but tell me your sins, that way I can make sure I can actually cover them. You see that? He, he, he wasn't like, okay, hold on, let me, let me get out a little tablet here. All right, so tell me all the sins you think that are in your life. Just go for it. Well, number one, I can take care of. Number two, I'm pretty sure. Number three, I'll think about that one. I'll ask him. I'll get back to you. Number four, that's the easy one. Number five, that's pretty embarrassing. Hmm. 
I'm, I'm surprised you said that out loud. Okay, number six, you know, he didn't do that to him. He didn't get a, a, a complete list. Nothing is impossible for God. Regardless what it would have went on the list. He simply says, your sins are forgiven because you saw faith. You saw belief. You saw trust. He forgave him of sin. So I want to tell you, there's nothing about you that Jesus can't take care of, even if it's some of those things you'd be embarrassed to say it out loud. Now, if somebody knew it, I'm talking everything about you. So, so my brother, my brother, uh, I don't know, 10 or 10 years ago now, passed away, maybe a little longer, unexpectedly. Uh, he, he was in Florida and got caught in a riptide in the ocean and didn't make it out. And so we had to go to his apartment, his place, and clean it out. Let me tell you something. When you don't expect somebody to show up and go through your house, you know what I'm talking about? His life was laid bare before us. And I'm not saying we were finding things, but I'm just saying there, there would have been not much secrets there. We literally had to clean the whole entire place out, look in every drawer, to do everything to take care of it, right? Listen, the secrets of your heart, the, the things that you would be ashamed of in your life, They're not things that Jesus holds against you. He simply will look at you if, you if you believe and say, your sins are forgiven. There is nothing impossible for him. Amen. Then beyond that, beyond that, then he heals his physical body. A paralytic man for... for Whatever reason it happened, if, if it was born that way, an accident at some point in this man's life, something happened where he could not walk, and Jesus touches his body, and he's freed of it. There is nothing impossible for God. Therefore, we pray and we believe. See, the kingdom of God with Jesus is enacting in what he's doing. Ultimately, it casts out all darkness. You know that? That sin, that's the effects of sin, that's all the things that we see in this world that are a result of sin. The kingdom of God casts it out. The kingdom of God is working now, and it will come in finality later. You know, Jesus not only forgives your sin, but he will deal with your whole entire being. To the point that the Bible says that when all things are made new, there will be no sickness or disease. There will be no tears from hurt and pain. There will be no paralytic men laying on mats in the kingdom. Amen. But here's what I know. Look. You can be in perfect physical health, but I've learned this in the last three or four years. You can't stop getting older. I'm getting old, folks. It shows up when I least don't like it. So Friday, you guys know I'm a hunter. Friday, I, I took a deer, okay? And it was way out in the woods. 
And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, i got to drag this thing. Oh, my gosh. So what do I do? I call a couple guys. Hey, can you help me? And neither of them can help me. I'm just like, I'm happy, but, yeah, I'm like, oh, my. So I'm dragging this deer out of the woods. You know what? I reconfirmed I'm getting old. Ten years ago, I probably felt like I whipped this thing on my shoulder, you know. But, you know, I'm, I'm dragging. I even hooked it up to my tree harness. I'm, trying, I'm just telling you. And I was so tired by the time I got to my truck. It, was, it wasn't a small deer, but still it took me four tries to get into the back of my truck. Trying to drag it up. I was just like, <sighs> After the third time, I got a little nauseous. I was just like, holy cow. I'm getting old. I'm out of shape. This is terrible. But someday, all that's going to get fixed. I may, I may live till I'm 80, 85, 90. I don't know. I don't know if you want me around when I'm that old. But, um, but God's going to fix all of this. No more sickness, no more disease. We, we pray and believe now that God can do the impossible now, but we look for a day where we know it's going to be all, all made new. Nothing is impossible for Jesus. And we can have encounters with him in such a way. Amen? That's what I believe. I would encourage you today. Two, two, two kind of points we hit today. Be a friend like the guys in this story. You say, I only got one friend. You got a friend. When I, when I was a, a junior hire, Michael W. Smith came out with this song, Friends Are Friends Forever. How many know that song? I hate that song. Um, <laughs> they, they, play, they play that thing so much, I'm just like, you know what I'm saying, overplay. And they still play it, my goodness. But anyway, so I, I only have a friend. Okay, you have a friend. I'm not sure I have friends. Cultivate and make friendships. You, you have to get outside yourself a little bit sometimes. But be the kind of friend that people want to be friends with. In other words, if you're the kind of person all you do is take, 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 people are just like, ugh. The kind of person where it's, it's reciprocal. You know what I'm saying? Develop healthy friendships, right? But be the kind of friend like the guys in these stories, but also understand when it comes to you and them that in Jesus nothing's impossible. And we stand in that and we live in that and we believe that. And then what, what can God do in your life? Because he's God. You know what I mean? Well, what can he do? Well, let's find out. Let's find out. Let's see the, the, the creator God, the God of all things, who spoke things into existence, who will, who will uh, forgive your sins and touch your body and, and get into every part of your life. What can he do? Amen. That's the God we serve. Let's, let's pray. We'll close up. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for who you are. And Lord, Lord, I, I thank you that, that you want to be intensely personal with each one of us. And I pray that each one of us here, we we begin to pay attention to you in such a way that that's the kind of relationship we have with you. 
and live in this life as we have now, that we have encounters with you that leave us changed, leave us marked, leave us hopeful. So Lord, I pray that you're with us. Help us. We need you. Strengthen us. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. Forgive us our sins. And I pray for every person here, Lord, they have issues, they have circumstances, they have things in their life that they're crying out to you for. I pray that you respond in a powerful way and touch them. Lord, that we live this life with perseverance, awaiting for you to come again. Make all things new. But that we live in the kingdom of God right now. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. As we say every Sunday, anybody wants prayer or anything, please come down. We'd love to pray with you. Even the kids. Kids, you can bring them down. We'll pray with you. If not, Wednesday night, we'll see you back or next Sunday. Bring somebody with you. Thanks for coming.